and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud About Film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And uh, we're beginning a new cycle of films. We will probably continue to uh, talk about whatever films interest us, but uh, we are also uh, simultaneously and as a main project going to explore uh, the work of Pedro Almodovar. We've just seen uh, Pepe Lucy Bom, and it strikes me that the film is now 42 years old. Yeah, it was mm. uh, released in 1980. So this is a director who's got a 42-year career now, uh, who started off in the underground and has become, you know, arguably the key figure in European cinema uh, of the last 30 years or so. He, you know, I, I had this discussion once with a distributor say being kind of angry and, and snooty and saying why doesn't spanish cinema get the same kind of release in britain you know that uh a french cinema does or italian cinema mm. right you would uh get all of these releases of french cinema but then you'd only really get Amadovar films or you know the odd bigas luna film or mm. the odd julio madame film and this distributor told me well Amadovar is our guaranteed seller he is the top they get a very wide distribution i mean the, the i think julietta was shown at, at my local odeon which is unheard of for them to be showing subtitled cinema yes. you know so he's uh, has very wide now now very wide crossover appeal i think yeah i mean you know he's become certainly amongst filmmakers you know a kind of in quotation marks a revered master right which is particularly interesting to think about in relation to his beginnings mm. in this film, yeah, Pepe Luthi Bomb. I always compared it to Derek Jarman's Jubilee, which mm. was earlier, right? Yeah. Because it is those films that capture a kind of a punk moment, really, yeah? You know, I think they're both wonderful in, in their ways, but I would argue that this Pepe Luthi Bomb is the punk film par excellence, mm. right? Mm. You know, because of the way it's made, yeah, how it was financed, uh, of really the can-do attitude of, on every level, you know, from a cinematography that chops heads off to songs that are like really three notes, you know, mm. <laughs> uh, and that sound wonderful, you know, to uh, uh, actors working in their first roles, right? It, you know, that anti-establishment, but can-do, live-your-own-thing you know, I think it's beautifully captured in this film. I don't mm. know if you have any thoughts on that, because obviously punk is a British thing, and this was clearly influenced by it, and it's actually much later, right? I presume because of the kind of political context in, in Spain, the, the sort of punk would have happened a couple of years later. It did. Anyway, um, and, and yeah, it, it did. watching it, it did remind me of Jubilee and the style of the, 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 the punk singer, um, really reminded me her look of, of um, polystyrene from yes. from X-ray specs. Um, so yeah, it reminded me of that. I, th I found it very interesting. Is I'd never seen this one before. I mean, I've seen a really. A lot. Yeah, yeah. I've seen loads of Almodovar's later work, but I've, I've I've never seen this one. Well, let's begin with you. Yeah. Then, okay. You know, <laughs> because as you probably saw, I did the introduction to the film. This young young man doing this <laughs> <laughs> and i try to be subversive because you know I, i'm actually wearing a national police 
polo shirt. Oh, really? With the, with the insignia, you know, <laughs> this huge your gold crown. And I thought that, you know, that was fun to wear that shirt in relation to that film. <laughs> but I don't think anyone got the joke. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what did you think? What stood out for you? Um, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it is this, you know, as you say, it's an underground film. It's, you mentioned in your, in, in your intro, you mentioned John Waters, and it is very reminiscent of, the, of those films as well, those early John Waters films. But it was interesting see, you know, you could see stuff in there that, he picks up on in his later films, you know, sort of kind of women in bandages and and uh, the the kind of groups of groups of strong women, which he always seems to to focus on. Although the the flats that the you know the apartments the, the women hang out in get get more and more expensive as his yeah, career bigger goes and bigger. <laughs> and <laughs> the decor but, gets better and yeah, better. <laughs> exactly. Um, so 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 that was interesting. And and I mean and the other thing which is sort of a bit if he is is but again he. It's it's a theme he uses quite often is is this use of rape as a as a as a plot device and and sort of treatment of it in, in a, a way that feels slightly uncomfortable. I think. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I know the film very well, so I wasn't surprised by it, but it always strikes me of how rape is such a recurring theme in his work mm, right mm. and how he treats it in such different ways i actually don't think anybody has um dealt with the theme across a work in such a varied way so in kika for example you know he treats the whole rape of kika for laughs right the very idea of showing a rape yeah and using it uh and treating it humorously would be, I mean, I think it would all be almost impossible to film in that way now, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, in that film, and maybe I'm a horrible person, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not the only one, it works. I, you know, he, he plays it for laughs. Uh, he plays it for laughs in a way that empowers the woman, that prevents her from being a complete victim, right? Uh, and he succeeds in getting those laughs. That is unimaginable now, right? Uh, in bad education, you know, the rape of a young boy is what, you know, how all these little narratives unfold uh, from that. Uh, in The Skin I Live In, you know, it's the rape of this man to the extent, you know, that his gender is changed against his will, right? Like, this is such a recurring element in the work. and you know, one that I think is, hasn't been explored uh, or explored enough, really. I mean, you get uh, writings on, you know, different films, yeah, and, you know, the, the question of the rape in individual films. But collectively, it becomes really interesting. And, of course, what we see in Pepe Luthi Bomb is that's what starts the film. It drives the whole plot. In this case, I wouldn't say it's treated for laughs, but it's treated the way it's spoken about afterwards is... is relatively light-hearted but then there's the parallel plot with the policeman's wife who wants to be you know she, she's a she's a masochist and she wants to be tied up she wants to be beaten up and i don't know i found it very interesting that he's he's already using that those themes in you know from the first film um, and as you say it doesn't seem to be something that's written about i think he does treat it humorously you know i mean one of the things that i found interesting and maybe in my own you know because i have a kind of a complex relationship 
with these films because, you know, I'm Spanish, you know, but I come from a family who emigrated to Canada. So, you know, I have a Spanish culture, but it always feels like at once removed. I do think uh, that the film plays it for laughs because it's, it's very camp or it uses camp, right? But it uses camp in, in an almost old-fashioned uh, way that relates to gay subcultures, which is, you know, camp is a way of turning around or making fun or coping with, in a humorous way, that which hurts. Yeah, that, you know, kind of camp humor in, in, in homosexual subcultures always dealt or always arose from a kind of pain, yeah? That, you know, you take the form of something and you apply it to something else and you ironize it, right? Or you turn it around, right? But you turn it around, in, yeah, around things that oppress you, right? And you see that very much in this film and actually in that rape, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think it, is, it is treated both as something which hurts, yeah? It's, it's a robbery, it's a violence and so on that is clear. But also, it is also played for laughs, yeah? Like, you know, I mean, those lines, you know, take me from behind, I'm saving my virginity to sell it, right? Like, you know, I mean, those things, I think, are meant to be funny and are funny, right? And I think, actually, that that's his kind of gift, really, yeah, to always be kind of grounded, yeah, to not dehumanize, to not just turn it into a joke, yeah? It, it, there is a pain there, right? But actually, the overcoming it is an overcoming it through a kind of a camp turning around, I think. I was also very impressed by, you know, the uses of pop culture, of comic books, right? It also begins with comic books, with Superman. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, the Superman, so she's, she's reading, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a Superman movie magazine, I guess, it's Christopher Reeve and so on. But the other thing that's really interesting is, and you don't see the full figure, but it's a, there's a big poster of um, Wonder early, early Wonder Woman poster, yeah, which, yeah. which is very interesting given the S&M, plot here given some of the wonder woman stuff from the yes. from the early years of that so that that, that was interesting and then obviously yeah interspersed with these little artworks and, and collages but again it's part of the punk ethic isn't it and just sort of you know collages and 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 bringing in all this imagery and um, yeah i think also something that is incredibly brave and successful and you know it's still something i admire in him so much is you know that the one of the well, the key relationship in the film, the key romantic one, say, uh, or sexual one, is between two women, mm. right? Mm. And it, it feels so modern because uh, the sexuality is represented as fluid, right? Like, you know, and actually, there's a line where Alaska says, you know, uh, when I was 15 or, you know, I liked older women now, you know, I like them 10 years younger or whatever. And, you know, people change all the time, like your desires change. And of course, the, the changing desire is also Pepe's, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, and who is now, you know, ending up with a uh, uh, bum. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think that that treatment of sexuality is something that might be uh, fluid, right? It also feels like kind of so modern, as indeed, you know, does the inclusion of transgender people, particularly the figure of, of Fabio McNamara, right? I mean, that is, again, I find it, you know, quite um, incredible in a first film. I mean, it is underground, so you are permitted more, 
right? And it is low budget, so you are permitted more. But these are very interesting choices. I mean, you know, a gay man, and it's very interesting because Amadovar only came out quite late, right, mm. officially. You know, it was one of those things that, I mean, everybody knew, but like, you know, no, no statement was made until quite, quite late on. But in this film, you see it from the very beginning in the general erections contest, right? He's looking yes. at all these dicks and saying, oh, how wonderful. You know, I forget what yes. the dialogue is, right? <laughs> I mean, you can't be more out than mm. that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you think, you know, an underground, punk, low-budget gay director might have wanted to focus the narrative on two gay men, mm. right? Rather than, you know, this kind of lesbian relationship. It does continue throughout his career doesn't it that the, this focus on on women and focus on particularly focus on groups of women it's these sort of groups of women often not dealing with men or not needing to deal with men because they've got each other and it's 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 it's, it's, it's an interesting focus for, as you say for a gay male director to to take uh, yes this film is such a key film as well because it already contains this Almodovar world, the Chicas Almodovar, mm. are already present uh, in this film. So, you know, in, my, in minor roles, you have Eva Siva, who plays Lucy. You also have Kitty Mamber, who, uh, you know, is the mother of the Carrie child, and what have I done to deserve this? But also, you know, you have Cecilia Roth, yeah, who's the, who's the, the girl in the uh, adverts, yeah, in this film. You know, who then will be the lead in Labyrinth of Passion and the lead in All About My Mother. Uh, Julieta Serrana, who, you know, who is Antonio Banderas' mother in Women on the Verge and who also uh, is the mother superior in Dark Hideout. So Asunta Serna, who is the lead in Matador, you know, appears in the end in a club uh, scene. So all of these women are already like in this first film. It's really, yeah, you know, yeah. quite uh, incredible. Uh, what did you make? of the ads because you see them in all of Almodovar's early films, yeah, where he satirizes advertisements and then he drops them. Yeah, so I think I, I think maybe is it after Kika after yeah, around the period of Women on the Verge, Kika he stops doing them. Yeah. But throughout the eighties films he always includes yeah, an advertisement. Yeah. I, I really like them. I mean they were they're really funny and, and it's the way they, they kind of they're explained within the plot, but essentially, they, when they first appear, they just kind of dropped into the film as a commercial break. You know, it kind of appears you're suddenly watching these adverts for um, incontinence pants and, and so yeah. on, and um, uh, sort of multi-purpose pants. Um, I think they work. They're very funny, and it's part. So, so in the context of Spanish politics and cinema, I think it's very important to say. You know, Franco died in 1975. The Communist Party was uh, officially re-recognized, well, recognized after the Civil War for the first time in 1977. The Spanish Constitution would come in in 78, making Spain officially a democracy, right? So this is done just after that. The film was made between 78 yeah, and 1980. And it's very interesting because all of, so, so you get references to these things, right? And you definitely get references to the polarization of the politics in, in Spain, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, 
the films I think are political, yeah, in their attitude to and the recognition and their attitude to that polarization. But they're not political in the sense of, you know, being part of a movement. Mm, or, mm. You know, it's very funny because I was looking at this interview and he says, oh, you know, those progressives, you know, kind of, you know, they were all so dour and they dressed so badly, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And you kind of see that the frivolity in the film, yeah, is itself kind of a political stance. But it's one that's kind of married to I don't know, commercial pop culture. Yeah, mm, that, that's, mm. you know, I mean, did you catch all of the references in the film to the movies and... Uh, some, yeah, but I'm sure I was missing, missing some stuff, but yeah. Yeah, well, I, I thought the worst bit was the whole extended scene of, you know, the, the bearded lady doing mm. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, you, you know, you also see the Lady of the Camellias, right? Uh, there's the reference where they beat up the pop, the, the cop, you know, that they're playing Spanish operetta, right? Uh, Tarzuela. You know, the film is really mired in commercial pop culture, yeah? Mm. And I emphasize the commercial because what we see is, you know, advertising agencies, comic books, uh, uh, pop groups, mm. nightclubs... Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, Hollywood movies, yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think it's kind of interesting that that is, you know, the the, frame, the film's frame of reference mm. uh, is all of that. Is there any particular scene that stood out for you? Um, I don't think so, no. Mm. no not even the peeing one? <laughs> oh, well, that was, yeah, that was quite startling. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are things that I think still shock me into laughter mm, mm. even after all the times i've seen it yeah? yeah that's one of them the eating snot thing mm. is one of them uh and then there are other elements that i just find funny for other reasons which is which have to do with social mores of the period right you know so that model singer who's like really touchy about being treated like a whore <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's the role that uh, Kitty Mandel plays, uh, and always makes me laugh. The white slavery in Morocco, those lines, right? Yeah. I find, uh, you know, incredibly funny. And I suppose what we haven't talked about is that, and, and you won't know of this, but the film subsequently became a record of what was called La Nueva Movida Madrileña, the, the New Madrid scene, right? Because all of the groups, yeah, that are involved uh, uh, in the film uh, became chart, yeah, hits afterwards. Uh, so all of those punk kind of new wavy bands, including Alaska, uh, who plays Bomb, she became like a, a kind of a, I mean, maybe superstar is too strong a word, but maybe the leading female pop singer of that era, right? You know, and all of the groups uh, uh, of that period are in this film, as are, you know, some, some people who became quite famous painters. In, in the film, Baum is living with these two painters, right, uh, who actually were called Costus. Uh, they were a gay couple, yeah, who kind of made art uh, together. Uh, the illustrations were done by Tesepe, yeah, who became a very famous illustrator. 
I mean, yeah, so, so the, the film becomes a record of all of these different uh, uh, artists who subsequently died, right? You know, so very young, either through heroin overdoses or through AIDS, right? right. That's another yeah. thing I think about this film that only struck me watching it now, mm. yeah? That its attitudes to sexuality are all pre-AIDS, yeah? Which of yeah, course yeah. it was, right? You yeah. know, and I think one of the things about the culture of, you know, the immediate period of post-Franco Spain is that because everything had been forbidden, right? And because you have a kind of a Trumpian disinformation, yeah, where only certain things are known and then nobody believes it anyway and so on, that actually, when all of a sudden there's drugs and porn and freedom and stuff, yeah, you know, people didn't believe the warning dangers around those things. And, you know, because why would you believe someone who'd lied to you all your life, right? So actually, there was a real excess of, yeah, kind of people, yeah, took to that in a major way. And of course, it ended up causing like innumerable deaths. There was a, a pandemic of heroin use and overdoses uh, in Spain uh, in in the 80s. And in a very interesting way, this is also evident uh, in the film. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. You know, kind of, I mean, you know, people are snorting cocaine and taking acid as if, you know, kind of you're having, you know, a Coca-Cola or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and also, I think, uh, the attitudes uh, to sexuality. But I'm rambling. You know, and I've barely let you speak, and I am very curious, really, to see what struck you most about this film. You know, it's clearly a first film, and it, it I, uh, what I found very interesting was watching it in the context of, of, of what came later and seeing the sort of seeds of his later career, he, he, even in this very kind of rough and ready, um, low budget film, um, that he kind of refined that approach and refined those themes over the over the next few films, I think. Um, what, what would you, what are they? What? Yeah, well, what? they say the, the, you know, the, the focus on women, the focus on the, the sort of sexuality, the, the, we talked about the themes of, 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 of rape and, and various images, you know, the sort of people, you know, bandaged woman in the bed and all, all of the, I, I just was seeing things that really, that struck me as images that would return later in his, in his films, but as I say, it's not it's not a perfect film, and I think it, it was. I was looking at when it was first released in the UK, and it was first. It didn't come out till '92. Oh um, wow! In cinemas, so which was uh, between between High Heels and Kika was the right. when it was actually released in, in 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 the UK, and I I don't know what kind of reception it would have got at that point because it, it's not it's not the kind of glossy film you expect from the auteur he was at that point right yeah you, you know so if, if you're but obviously people would be aware it was an early film but uh i yeah I, it, it's interesting it took so long for it to in come out in spain it was a very considerable hit it was an underground hit um but a very considerable one because you know it was self-financed i mean it's a film that was you know financed by friends and by himself right? yeah uh and which i understand cost uh, five million pesetas, you know, which, you know, in that period would have been like about twenty thousand pounds, which, 
you know, in a period where you have to buy film and pay for the development of film, yeah. I mean, you know, pretty much all of the money went for the rental of the equipment and the development yeah, of the film. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so it's a, a film made on a nothing budget and it played for years, you know, like yeah, in yeah. repertory screenings, right? For years and years and years. The interesting thing about this film in a Spanish context is that it really connected with a youth culture. Yeah, that was not just a gay subculture. It really connected with, you know, a youth culture in broad terms, right? Uh, and it was partly, you know, the attitude to drugs, the attitude to sex, you know, the uh, emphasis on fun, yeah, uh, on young people having fun and exploring things, on it being really non-judgmental about all of those things, right? Yeah. And about highlighting participation in types of culture that were not seen as highbrow, right? Comic yeah. books, yeah, uh, uh, things like that. It was quite a big hit, and in fact, you know, the main cinema in uh, Madrid, which screened this film, then uh, financed his next film, okay. Labyrinth of Passion, right? So it was that much of a hit yeah. that, you know, a cinema would invest, yeah? In, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the pop music? I, I, I liked it. I mean, I particularly liked it because the, 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 what was nice is the, the, the lyrics were, were subtitled, which was great. So the, the songs by the, by the punk band, particularly the one where they, they sing the song about um, Lucci, you know, the, 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 yeah. the slut from wherever. And Murcia. Yeah, yeah, the slut from Murcia. And like, she's such a bitch. And all this. I, I, I thought the lyrics, lyrics were great. But also the, the other incidental music you hear, it was... Was, was 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 really fun and that actually that scene that you mentioned is to me also like a real evocation of the punk ethos because mm. at that moment alaska was just the bass player right in the band right so you know this is the first time that she sung in public right and okay you know yeah and she did it for the film you know, at Almodovar's suggestion, yeah, so she's not perfect, she's not a great singer, mm. yeah, she's just having a go, right? Uh, and then, of course, she did become one of the biggest pop singers in Spain subsequently. Yeah, you know? yeah. By the time the film came out, she had done a first single, yeah, so she, she actually hadn't recorded before this film. But by the time the film came out, there was a film, uh, a song called uh, Terror in the Supermarket, which became, <laughs> like, an enormous uh, uh, success. You know, and which in fact also drove people to the film. But I think the reason why the film remains interesting to me is in Spain, really, Almodovar is the first uh, uh, filmmaker, I think, in, in the Franco years and subsequently, who comes from a really poor background, mm. right? You know, if you look at the other big names like you know, Carlos Sauda and people like that, they're all like middle class. Uh, many of them got a chance to go to film school. By the time that Almodovar came around, there was no film school, it had been closed down, you know. But he is the first person from a rural peasantry, right, who actually became a filmmaker and he's self-taught, right? So, and what you see in his early career is the unfolding of that talent, right? I mean, this one, is super rough, yeah, and you could see it because, like, sometimes the heads are missing in a shot, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and also super cheap. And you can see that because sometimes there's a, a huge long scene where they don't cut the shot. And really, all it is is telling you plot, right? Mm -hmm. I, they don't have money to do different setups of the same scene, right? And yeah. they don't have money to show you. So he's just telling you because he can't show you because they don't have the money yeah, to show you. Yeah, and you know, that, that, there's something you know, in, the, in the first scene where the policeman arrives because the, there's the music playing on the soundtrack and then suddenly it jumps and it's kind of, so it kind of feels like they, you know, something went wrong in the filming, but hey, whatever, we'll just, <laughs> you yes. know, we can't afford to do it again. We just go, we just go with it. Yes. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. I, I found a 92 review, by the way, from the New York Times because it, it got released in, the States and, and the UK in 92, it appears. Uh -huh. um, this is by Janet Maslin in the New York Times. Um, it would have taken more than foresight and not much less than X-ray vision to detect the promise of Almodovar's subsequent success within Pepe Bomb. A rough, unfunny comedy, most notable for its bathroom jokes, humorous rape scenes and abysmal home movie cinematography. <laughs> so they don't like it. <laughs> no. It gets worse. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, the audiences did like it yeah but it, so it's, it's interesting that because it, clearly that's a review from 1992 looking at it in the context of Almodovar the successful film director and not being able to look at it in the context of this is you know a very early work it's it's yes. rough and ready but this is how he learned his trade um, yes but my god you can see I think you can see his his talent even mm. in this film yeah I mean Look at the direction of actors, right? Yeah. All the jokes, all the jokes land. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's also a kind of a, a tone, which is both outrageous, yeah, and commonsensical, yeah. That you know, it's always rooted in a common sense understanding of things, even when, you know, the whole thing about the sadomasochistic wife, yeah, who you know, ends up stuck and doomed because, you know, she married the, this horrible rough man, but he treats her like uh, the virgin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a logic to all of that. You understand it. Yeah. You, un yeah, and you understand yeah. it emotionally. Yeah. Right. So that kind of combination of outrageousness and kind of commonsensical thing is one that you'll see in Almodovar kind of, you know, later yeah, on. Right? Yeah. And he manages uh, quite a complex special effect as well with the the pissing scene. <laughs> yes, I think so. You know that show that sh that shows talent. It's sort of because it you know you, you, it's clearly not real, but it looks convincing. You know. Well, I think in a really low budget film like this, the combination of split screen of showing the twins yeah, yeah. that are played by the same actor. Yeah, yeah. The animated scene with the underwear turning color. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and that little thing. I mean, it kind of it shows somebody who is interested in all of that and can deploy it and, you know, and, and has the imagination to actually create those effects on a nothing budget, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, all of those. And also, I do think there is something about the narrative, you know, cohering, yeah, that you do have all of these different characters you know, and the plotting of them, the way that they interconnect and so on. Yeah, exactly. Also... I thought that was very clever. The, the um, yeah, you know, she, the twins, and then she meets the policeman's wife and, and, and then, oh, you do knitting. And then, and, and uh, uh, you just sort of think, how can I meet her? Oh, she's wearing a nice jumper. And that, that then just 
drives drives the plot. But yeah, those sorts of, in fact, actually, and again, I suppose that's something that's in a lot of his later films. These kind of, you know, chance meetings and um, like the what's the one with the two mothers, the most recent one. Um, parallel mothers. Yeah, parallel mothers. Yeah, where where a lot of the plot revolves on, you know, coincidence and and and, and chance meetings and so on, as it does in in this one. But you get these seemingly kind of trivial events, trivial meetings that end up just driving this complex plot of the whole film. So, uh, And also, I love the jokes, which might be part of the reason why Janet Maslin didn't like it, because I think in a way they're quite cultural, culturally specific, right? So, you know, uh, the wife uh, eggs her husband on to beat her because she's a, you know, because she's a masochist, but by calling him communist, right? Yeah, and yeah. Actually, just... You know, when she says communist, it's I find you know. I yeah, laugh, yeah, right? and, and, <laughs> yeah. I, th I think it helps to know a bit of context about about modern Spain and and um, you, you know all, all these references to oh, there's too much democracy going on. And, yes, <laughs> which I thought was a great line. And yeah. they're, they're talking about ETA at one point and and, and all, all all of this kind of thing. So it's sort of you know, I do I do know some of that context, and which I, th I think helps. But I think that helps with all of his films again with the parallel mothers with the. The, the exhumation at, at the end, which you get, you know, sort of linking back to that, that whole period of the end of the Franco era is is, um, is very interesting. I think also the gender stuff, you know, demonstrates that Spain in the process of change, you know, what you have to, you have to call the police to control your wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're not man enough, right? Uh, phrases like, you know, this is the way things are done. Yeah, or like you said, there's too much democracy in this country. All of that speak a kind of a structure feeling, right? Which is one where there is this legacy of Francoism, family, gender, you know, uh, political relations, but that you see in this process of change, right? Uh, and in a most radical manifestation, you know, because I do think that one of the characteristics of Almodovar is just how brave he is, you know? And actually, this is... You know, it, he begins with that, really, like, you know, because this is a film that it was made in 78. Like, I mean, the Constitution, yeah, had just been approved. Spain was officially democratic in 78. The film started in 78, and then it took two years to be finished. It finished, it was released in 1980. But in 1981, there was a coup d'etat. Mm. So all these freedoms... Yeah, like that people now thought they had were shown to be provisional. So imagine if Colonel Tejero's coup had succeeded and Almodovar had made this film about lesbians pissing on each other and, you know, general erection yeah, contest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be like Iran, right? Like he'd be in jail and like, yeah. yeah, yeah? yeah. So, so I think it's hard to place ourselves in that context. Exactly. And I think that's a point that's missed by that. New York Times review, and I think other reviews at the time are the same, that they're mi totally missing that point, that this was somebody, or a group of people, essentially, who've suddenly got a freedom of expression that they didn't have the previous year, and maybe they didn't know how long they already knew, they didn't know how secure that was, so let's just get everything out there, you know? Yeah, let's have fun, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, because actually it's that spirit of fun and frivolousness, and internationalism because the other thing that impresses me about this film which i always thought slightly provincial because it wasn't yet true right but it was 
a way of seeing themselves as part of a global culture, right? So there's all these references. You know, the, the main influence was London, yeah? That really, you know, the London and the whole punk scene and earlier Carnaby Street and fashion and street fashion and, you know, music. That's the main influence on this film, right? But, the, but all the characters, you know, they speak in English. They make references to Paris and New York and Tokyo. It's like, you know, this imagining Madrid, which had just come out of 40 years of fashion, as now part, you know, of global cosmopolitanism, which was not at all true. And I, you see how untrue it is, because I've just come back from Madrid, you know, and one of the ways, one of the things that strikes me about seeing this film is, is the poverty, mm. right? You know, which is not meant to be shown as poverty, but actually which reveals its poverty. Yeah, partly by it not being deliberate. So, for example, you know, the apartment building where the policeman lives, right? I mean, that would be unthinkable now, this ugly cement tower mm -hmm. block, you know, that looks like so third world, really. Yeah, the streets which are dirty, you know, and run down and low, yeah, low buildings. And yeah, it kind of... You know, so, so this was a Spain that was still in transition, not only democratically, but economically, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, it's one of the things that I love very much about the film. So we will next be doing Labyrinth of Passion, which is a little bit like this, but aside from dealing with all the pop culture, like comic books and so on, it will take as its main point of inspiration what in Spain is called the Press of the Heart, so Hello Magazine, that type of celebrity, you know, uh, uh, magazine dealing with kind of people's love lives. Uh, so that's next on our agenda. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are thinking aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>